you'd like to turn with me, we'll be in Revelation 22. This is the last Sunday in our series that we've been doing throughout the, the New Testament, Grace and Truth. And we've been doing the first and last chapter of each book of the New Testament. And, uh, and so last week, Peter opened up Revelation chapter 1. And we'll be concluding in Revelation 22 uh, this morning. And, um, and it is, it's just been a joy to go through each of these books. And I hope that as we've been going through, you've been spending time uh, in the in-between and reading through uh, the passages and, and preparation. And, and uh, as we consider the Word of God, um, and as we then come to the end of the book, we come to Revelation, so I feel like there's a two-part, like I'm concluding a Rev, uh, the New Testament series in Revelation 22, uh, but I'm also talking about the end of the book, the, the Bible, the last chapter that has been preserved for us about God's work and redemptive work and his future plans, and it's, uh, it's exciting to, to consider it and a little intimidating, even as Peter mentioned last week, and, uh, and so I'm... Uh, excited to to go there but really like if we really want to explain this we we should start back in genesis chapter one and then uh, each book after that kind of builds towards this moment but we don't have all that time today um and as i was talking to my my mom about this she'd just done a a, a study in the book of joel and she said i'm surprised how much revel of of revelation joel has in it and I was like, well, Mom, it, it's actually Revelation has a lot of Joel in it because um, Joel was written first. But the, the point is if you read into the Old Testament and then you read Revelation, you, uh, you're just going to be encountering the, just an inner, um, you're going to be interacting with the, the, the different texts over and over again that there's so much of the, the Hebrew scriptures that John has preserved for us and put them and reframed them for us into the understanding of what Revelation is about. And so um, I would like to, as we prepare to read it, and we're actually going to start in ch- uh, chapter 21 and verse 1. We're going to start there, read the first few verses, and then go to chapter 22, just to kind of put it in context. But um, this book is called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelations of Jesus Christ, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's uh, as we read it, we should not get so caught up in the events, the order of the circumstances, and miss the person. Okay, so like just frame that for a second that it is the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and everything in here points us to him. So let's read. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And then we'll jump to verse 1 of 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street and the city all, 
on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruits each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me them. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still be right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and the murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take up the waters of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So there's a lot in there. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they're so good. And as I was reading through the book of Revelation this week and and preparation. Um, it's just amazing how many of these themes come out in a lot of our worship songs, and we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, uh, there, there's a whole lot of, of good things that are readily available to us, and oftentimes the discussions get to the things that aren't as, as readily available to us, and so um, I, uh, and I love that. I, like, I love sitting down and discussing the scriptures and digging through and debating which views right and what's not, and I've been, um, and Revelation's a book that I've been um, I grew up in Bible studies in my house. My parents would have um, different people over teaching us through it. And, um, and then I had the privilege of being in a couple classes in college and seminary on the book. And it's just been, it's a fascinating study. And it's a book that comes with a promise that when you read it and obey it, you'll be blessed. And that's, that's true of all scripture. Um, and, uh, but it's, uh, there's a uniqueness. And so 
um, why people will avoid it, I, I don't understand uh, why, but it is oftentimes where we need to remember coming to the scriptures, coming to theology, coming to the, the discussion about it, we, we need to come with the humility uh, and we need to come in and compassion and draw people into conversation and not just uh, um, disagree and argue. But as we read through this passage, I want to go um, to Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 for a moment, just to, to look and see the similarities of what John presents here uh, in Revelation. So John chapter 2 and verse 8, um, we, we go back, it's like really... Genesis 1, in the beginning God created um, the world. And then here we are, we are seeing the new creation and we're seeing the new heaven and new earth. But in chapter 2, verse 80, he talks about a garden. And, uh, and it was the last time the earth was in paradise, right? The Garden of Eden, the paradise. Um, and Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. And so in Genesis 2, it says, 8, 8 through 10, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to, to water the garden, and there, there it divided and became four rivers. And then we'll conclude there. But uh, just this description of the Garden of Eden. And as we come into Revelation 22, we're in a new heaven uh, and a new earth, and we're in the new Jerusalem, and we're in a city. And so we're going from the garden of creation uh, to the city of Christ, with Christ. And then in the midst of the city, we see once again a garden. Um, and the difference in the garden here is that we, we have the tree of life, and we have the river uh, the, um, of the water of life coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And not only is this a garden where God would visit and walk and talk with Adam and Eve, but this is the garden in which God lives and dwells with uh, mankind. And so he is there in the midst of it and has invited us, and this is the eternal state that we long for and look forward to that no longer will we see in part. But even as it says here, we will see his face, and his name will be on our foreheads. Like, that is tremendous to think about. Moses desired to see the, the face of God, and he said, you can't handle that. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to walk by, and you'll see my, my, the train of my robes as I go by. And, and, uh, and so I, I think a Mac Powell, a third day song, that show me your glory, like this, this call out, this desire, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see you face to face. But we can't handle that this side of eternity. Be That day when Jesus returns and makes all things new, like we will see his face. We'll be face to face with him, and we will know him and be known by him. So, shortly after I was preparing, I told Peter that um, I could take his two points from last week and, um, and, and be satisfied with preaching basically the same sermon, that um, <clears throat> the, the blessing remains. I should quiz you. What did you remember from last week? But um, the blessing remains and uh, the lamb reigns. Uh, were the two points, and, uh, and yes and amen, and we, we look through Revelation 22 and read that, and we can see those same points, but um, today, uh, I'm actually going to preach them a, a little bit differently, uh, but the same basic points. The first point is, the lamb that was slain reigns forever. You know, he's putting an exclamation point at the end of the book, that the lamb who was slain will reign forever and ever. 
Um, and, uh, and that's our confidence and our hope and our ultimate joy in this Advent Sunday of joy that we long for and look for the second Advent, the second appearing where Christ will return and he set in motion uh, his kingdom for all of eternity with no more sin, no more sorrow, no more uh, sickness, no more death. And uh, all these things will be done away with and we will be in his presence for eternity. When we come to the book of Revelation, it is about who Jesus is. He was the lamb that was slain. <clears throat> In Revelation 5, 9, it says, And they sang a new song, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Uh, as we come to Revelation, John does not want us to forget that Jesus Christ suffered and died for our salvation, that he was the lamb that was slain. <clears throat> he is the fulfillment of all the prophecies of scriptures, all the promises of redemption from the beginning uh, to the end, that Jesus, all the scriptures find their fulfillment in Christ. And again, going back to Genesis, but in Genesis chapter 3, we have the fall of mankind. We have Adam and Eve rebelling against God and choosing their own wisdom, their own knowledge over God's, and that brought sin into the world. And through that sin, death passed on to all men, for all have sinned. And so sin reigns in this world and continues to reign. Um, and God said to the serpent in the curse, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God promised in the very beginning that he would send forth a redeemer to crush the head of the serpent. And the serpent here being Satan and evil and the representation and the, the conflict we have. And when we get into Revelation, it's an apt description because over and over, John describes uh, evil uh, Satan as the, the great serpent or the, a dragon that the son came and conquered. In Isaiah 9, 6, we are reminded, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we have the prophecy continues that the one who will bring peace and restoration is coming. John 1, 29, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And if we had some time, we could go back into Exodus and we could look at the Passover lamb, the story that sets up this imagery that there was needed a perfect lamb without blemish to be sacrificed and the blood of that to be put on the, the postal lintel of the house and so that the angel of death would pass over. It is the blood of the lamb that allowed the angel of death to pass over and not take the firstborn of all. And likewise, it is the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. That when we come to Christ and we look at the lamb who was slain, who will forever reign, he will reign as Lord over all. And, uh, and we, we want to look to him and say it's because of what he has done. That he came born of a virgin that first Christmas morning. That he lived a perfect human life as an example to us. That he taught 
uh, and he preached the, the, the kingdom of God, and he revealed us to who God was. He taught us how to pray, and he taught us the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 um, he, on how we should live in kingdom principles, and, and then he went to the cross and took our sins upon himself. And by his wounds, we are healed. To those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they will be saved. Jesus said this, if the Son of Man is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. And so when we come to Revelation and we come to the Scriptures, the question is, is the Lamb who was slain lifted up? Are we honoring and exalting him? In our discussions and our studies, are we looking to Jesus and saying he is the one who reigns? He is the ruler. Everything about this tells me about who he is. And, uh, and that's what we want to fix our eyes on. And so the lamb who was slain reigns forever. And point two today is blessed are those who remain faithful. <clears throat> you know, again, the blessing remains. The promise of blessing remains is what, what we're reminded of uh, last week that Peter told us. But um, those who are blessed are those who who persevere in faith, who come to faith in Christ and continue to hold true to their faith in Christ. This isn't perfect faith, but it is a persevering faith. This isn't the absence of doubting or struggle, but it is the resolve to trust in the midst of doubt. To those who come to Christ and hold on, and in saying that, we have to acknowledge the human experience and the ups and downs in life which is why I would encourage you to read Psalm 103 and, uh, and remind ourselves of God's perspective of us. Psalm 103 is one of my favorite psalms, but it reminds me um, that God knows my frame. He remembers that I am dust. He knows that I'm weak and frail. And then it's also the passage that tells us that he forgives our sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west. And so for me to be reminded by my heavenly father that he knows I'm weak he knows I struggle, and uh, he's made provision that is bigger than, than me, and, uh, and he's not calling me to earn his favor. He has given it through Christ, and then he's forgiven it, and then he doesn't bring it up again. He forgets it, um, and so those are some good things to think about. So blessed are those who remain faithful, and so in order to try to um, cover the book of Revelation, I can't do it adequately in one day, <laughs> But I thought we would look at the Beatitudes of Revelation. We're familiar with the Beatitudes of Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. But how familiar are you with the Beatitudes of Revelation? There's seven statements throughout the book of Revelation. Um, Beatitude being blessed are those uh, statements. And so we're going to briefly just look at those, um, walk through. I'll go through them quickly. Uh, if you want to write them down, um, you can, but uh, we won't have time to to parse out all the passages. But last week we read Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, begins the first. It says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So the book of Revelation is a unique book, and that is the only one with a direct blessing for those who publicly read it and the hearers of it, of course, with the understanding that they're hearing it and obeying it. So as we read the Revelation, it is important to remember that there are things for us to hear and to obey, not just some other day, but, but beginning today, or that we hear the word of God, we read it out loud, we obey it. 
But I do find it interesting, shortly after hearing this statement, uh, John, the Apostle John, was tempted to worship the angel. And right after this, he bows down, and the angel says, don't worship me. And so, now, again, I say this part because uh, to remind ourselves to be, um, to have grace for ourselves, the persevering faith doesn't um, forget the fact that we're human and prone to error and need to repent. Um, repentance is such a good word. It's a Christian word. It's something that all of us should be accustomed to. We should do it daily um, and learn what it is. And, and, I, and it is so a good reminder that repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind that leads to change of action. It's a, it's a change of our desires. It's a change of our, the way we perceive things, and then our actions follow from that. Um, just to say I'm sorry is not repentance. We can say I'm sorry for something, but still like what we did or still want to hold on to something. Uh, but the good news of Jesus Christ is that the king is on the move and his way is greater than our way. And so when I look at it and I compare my way to his way, it shouldn't be hard for me to say, whoa, I'm settling for far less than the goodness and the greatness and the joy that my Savior has. And so when, I, when I'm confronted with him in his word and I see my way and his way and repentance is saying, oh, I want your way. I choose you over this. And so John was tempted and he fell and he started to worship the angel. And the angel lifted him up and said, don't worship me. All right, then the second beatitude is Revelation 14, 13. And it simply says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may find rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. God is pronouncing a specific blessing just before the seven bowl judgments of Revelation 16. People who become believers and die during this time will find rest and reward for their labor, but it goes without saying that those who find their, their rest in Christ, those who come to Christ and die in Christ, find rest from uh, their labor. They find the goodness in him and are blessed. I did find it interesting, it says that their deeds follow them. And it's important to remember that our deeds don't earn us salvation. So the deeds didn't precede them. Uh, it is what they did won't be forgotten, but it, what they did didn't earn them their spot. It is their faith in the, the lamb who was slain that causes them to be blessed. Revelation sixteen fifteen says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Jesus is warning those right before the battle of Armageddon that he is coming and they are his soldiers. This is to the believers. Are you blessed and ready for the battle? And I think we could take from this blessing that blessed are those today who are ready for the battle. That every day you wake up ready to go. Like, Every day is a battle for your minds, for your hearts, for your desires, uh, for your attention. Uh, and are you engaging that battle? That's the question. When we come to Revelation, we see it clearly from one verse to the next verse, something's happening. But every day in your life, something's happening. There's an enemy of your souls who wants to get your mind, who wants to get your hearts, who wants to get your passions and desires and distract you from God. And, uh, and so here is a reminder. But blessed are those who are ready and waiting. And, and engage the battle. We can go back and to look at the 
those who are ready with the, the, the ten virgins and who had the oil in their lamps and ready for the coming of the bridegroom. Like, there's a, throughout Scripture, consistently, be ready, be ready, be ready. Revelation 19, 9, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. The marriage supper of the Lamb is for his bride. All believers, the church will be have a, a, a celebration and party in heaven. The, the marriage uh, imagery is used throughout scripture to depict the, the relationship of God and his people and the celebration and uh, the wedding feast is a common picture in scripture. But after this, and the angel said, these are the true words in Revelation 19.9, John once again was tempted and worship, began to worship the angel and the angel said, don't worship me. <laughs> I'm just a fellow servant. Don't do that. Revelation 20, verse 6 says, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. The various resurrections in the scripture are divided into two general categories. The first resurrection is the resurrection of the just and unto life, and the second of the unjust unto eternal damnation. And so we do, as a church, believe in the resurrection of, the, of those unto eternal life and those unto eternal damnation, that there is two realities in this world, uh, and that judgment will be taking place at the end. And so we want to call out and remind everybody that we need to believe in Christ, that Jesus is the way to salvation and to that first resurrection. Revelation 22, verse 7 back to our chapter passage today it says and behold i'm coming soon blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book again at the beginning and at the end of the book he says blessed are the ones who keep the prophecy who obey and follow and so there's a blessing and throughout scripture it, it is over and over again those who come in obedience to god will find his blessing those who disobey will find their cursing and uh, just reading and hearing the word is not enough if it's not followed by obedience. James reminds us of that, uh, that to be a hearer and not a doer is to deceive ourselves. Again, after this verse, we see John tempted to worship the angel. So the apostle John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the one who wrote the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation, the one who teaches us and points us to Jesus Christ, the King, the Lamb who was slain, he struggled um, with being of one mind and know everything, right? He had to learn, even as he wrote the book, he had to learn. And so, believer, you need to learn, and you need to look at your life and say, what am I bowing down to that isn't consistent with Christ? What do I need to repent of? Because we all need that. We need people in our lives. And then the last one, the number seven, is in verse 14 of our chapter today. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Uh, this is such a, a picture of, of, of laundry, of dipping their, their um, robes into the blood of the lamb. Uh, some translations say keep his commandments, which is an apt description of it. The, the, the word play on here is washing the robes later we see um, within 
Revelation, we see the, the lamb who had, whose garments were dipped in blood. That's his own blood, the blood that brings salvation. Um, the blood that we see over and over again is the blood that Jesus poured out for us. And when we come to him in confession of sin and faith in what he has finished, he forgives us. And so um, one of my verse, favorite verses in Scripture is 1 John 1, 9, because of this very image, it says, if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God's not satisfied with just forgiving and treating like this, you know, treating that sin like it didn't happen. He says, no, actually, I'm going to scrub it out. It's like when you get a, a wound, uh, like I wrecked my bike as a kid, was coming down the, the road in a, a bike that actually I kind of put together myself. I pieced together a BMX bike and thought it was cool. I painted it the color of my school's. And, um, just to cover up the blemishes on it. And, and I was driving down, and right in front of my friend's house, I, I hit a pine cone, went into my front tire, and got stuck in the forks of my, and I went flying over. And I just went smack down the hill, hit my forehead, scraped up my nose. Actually, I couldn't complete my beard for a long time because of the road rash. That was a long time before I could grow a beard. But um, later on in life, I couldn't connect it. Anyways, um, sorry, details I wasn't planning on sharing. I got a big old gouge in my knee, and, uh, and debris from the road was in there. And, you know, if you, anybody knows wounds, you don't leave that debris in the wounds because it will fester and cause infection and will never heal properly. Um, but my, right in front of my friend's house, his dad, who I didn't know too well, came running out of the house, saw me, and he just scooped me up, ran me inside, and then he started cleaning out the wounds because he knew the sooner he could clean it out, the more likely I'd have a complete healing. Um, but it's not just enough to just put a Band-Aid over it. It's like got to get cleaned out. And God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cleanse you, I'm going to clean you, I'm going to wash you in the blood of the Lamb. And so we, we come to Christ, the Lamb who was slain, because of what he has done for us. And that's the... Um, the Beatitudes of Revelation. So we have these two reminders that the Lamb was slain uh, forever reigns, and blessed are those who remain faithful. And now two charges for us from this chapter that we should obey. The first is worship God. Worship God. In verse 9, the angel said to John after he fell down, let's read 8 and 9, it says, And I, John, the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Worship God. And when we come to Revelation as we we read through it, and when we come to something we don't understand, we should worship God. We worship God. We look to God, and we bring glory and honor to him and say, God, you are bigger than me. You understand things I don't understand. You are so good. When we look at the stars, and we look at the night sky, and we sing Psalm chapter 8, we just sang it, just such a beautiful reminder to worship God. There's so much to worship God for. In good times and in bad times, we worship God. And here he says, the angel says to John that we're fellow servants, and we're servants with the prophets, and then we're servants with those who keep, fellow servants with those who keep the book. That when you and I obey Christ and follow his word, we are 
fellow servants with the apostles and with, uh, with the angels. Like, what an amazing truth. He puts us in the category that we are the servants of God who worship the one true God. And this is such a clarity and a command to worship. Um, <clears throat> I, again, I was at the beginning, I mentioned it, but how many, how many songs um, are written, uh, praise songs today that we sing that, that come from the words of Revelation? And, and how reading this and, and reading the throne room in Revelation 21 and, and 22 and how it inspires a vision and an awe of God that is beyond us. Elizabeth Elliot said this, the fact is, as believers, it's not about us. It's not about my happiness. It's not about my joy, my well-being. It is about the glory of God and the kingdom of Christ. The only means to real, real joy and contentment is to make his glory the supreme objective in my life. To worship him is to make him the supreme glory of my life, that I look to him and I find joy and, and, and contentment in pursuing him above all else. And um, there's a song, uh, a gospel song, and uh, many, maybe many of you heard it, but Bow My Knees and Cry Holy. I think Michael English wrote it. The Gaithers sing it. Um, and uh, if I could sing it to you, I would, but that would be a bad experience for you. <laughs> um, but I remember when I first encountered this song, because he, he talks about a, uh, having a dream of going to heaven. And, uh, and, and the, the one verse says, and I saw Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then uh, Mark and, and Timothy. And as he's talking to Timothy, he says, but where's Jesus? I want to, and there's this real great part for a vocalist. He's like, I want to see Jesus because he's the one who died for me. And the, and the heart of the song is this, is that uh, the singer is not satisfied with the place or the other people. He wants to see the lamb who was slain because he's the one who uh, died for me. Because worship of God recognizes that the whole point of being in heaven with God is, is God himself, is Jesus. He did it, and that we get to be with him. In this life, we are separated from him, uh, though he is God with us, and he's given us his spirit. We know in part, but then face to face. And there's this should be this desire that when we look to heaven, um, that our focus isn't on the streets of gold, that our uh, I think the, the imagery that he gives us is that everything we find precious in this life is just bricks and mortars in the next. It means nothing. It is about who he is. And, and when we look at the, the passage and it says that there's no sun or moon because he is the light. He's all we need. Like Jesus is everything in the New Jerusalem and so it should cause us to worship. Now worship, worship is not just singing songs. And I know oftentimes we call uh, a worship service, and then we'll talk about let's have worship music. Um, but worship is everything we do when we seek to glorify and honor God. Uh, our work is worship. And when we think about what does that mean, when we've been using the language a lot recently about faith, work, and economics, and work is, is not just something you get paid to do. It's the productive things you do in all of your life. It's uh, when, from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, what are you doing and are you seeking to glorify God with who you are and, what you, uh, and everything you have? And that when we recognize the presence of God and it says whatever we do, uh, that we do for the glory of God, that we bring 
an acknowledgement of his goodness, of his provision, uh, of his presence to what we're doing, and we can worship God. And we are worshiping God right now together, but th- what are you doing tomorrow at 11.02? Oh, I should probably finish up here shortly. Um, <laughs> good reminders. But um, <clears throat> all of life and what we're called to do now, there are specific vocations that we may get paid to do, and in those we should seek to represent Christ to those who we, who we live with. And so, like, if we're into sales... Like, we need to be the best salesperson we can and seek to serve the people we are selling to in such a way that we're helping them better their lives because of how we're selling. But what we don't want to do is fall into the world system and lie to the people so they buy my product because I'm more concerned about the dollar than I am concerned about the person, right? And so I probably shared this before, but one time I was employed as a... um, a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman. <laughs> and, uh, and in that industry, like, we would set up the, the sale, and then I would have to call my manager, and then my manager would tell me the things to close the deal. Now, if you don't know Kirby vacuum cleaners, back then, it's a long time ago, they were a $1,500 vacuum cleaner, and, uh, which was expensive. And I happened to actually sell this time of year during Christmas, and I remember I was on the phone with my manager, and she was telling me to say things that weren't true, but would cause the person to get over the edge to buy this vacuum cleaner. And this was literally the conversation. Say this. Nope, I can't say that. We'll say this. Nope, I can't say that. Nope, I can't say that. And then she said something true, and I was like, okay, I can say that. <laughs> so, like, but my customer's hearing me say, I can't say that. But I was not willing to sacrifice my integrity for what would turn out to be a $400 paycheck. Um, and in my two weeks of selling Kirby's, I sold one to my parents because they love me and <laughs> support me. <clears throat> and then I sold it for less money than I was supposed to, so I actually didn't make anything on the deal. Um, but they got a, a vacuum cleaner, so hey. Um, but are we willing to sacrifice profitability, prestige, fame, friendship for our integrity and to follow Christ. To worship God is in that moment to say, I'm not willing to lie. I'm not willing to sacrifice my integrity. Similarly, when, uh, when we play Euchre Zoli, I don't set the deck in, in Euchre. I, I remember as a teenager wanting to get fascinated, how do I beat everybody else, and so how do I figure out how to give myself the best cards? But I got to a place in my life that I realized it's not a card game's not worth my integrity and so i have had to teach myself tricks to not even see I mean, maybe you don't think cards are what we should be playing anyways but um i don't look at them like i i have to do certain things so i don't fall into bad habits and so there are all kinds of things in life that in order to worship god in the daily things i do i have to teach myself a new perspective and that is invite his presence in and to live it out in everything we do. And so what are you doing to worship God in everyday things? And then the last thing we're going to look at is uh, communicate his word. You know, as a, as a church, Lakeside exists to love God, to care for people, and to communicate his word. Uh, and that's in the DNA of, of who we are and what we do. And it's about what Scripture tells us, that we are to love God with everything we are, that God's, the relationship we have with God comes first. And as an individual, you need to love the Lord your God. 
You need to see Jesus Christ as glorious and long for him and soul-satisfying. And as a body of believers, we need to remind each other to love God. And we do that when we come together and we care for one another. We carry each other's burdens. And I can tell you this church is so generous and good at caring for one another. And Peter mentioned it last week of how I just, like, for him and for me and um, for our staff, we feel so taken care of in this church. And it's not the norm in in churches. And I know a lot of pastors who who don't feel loved and cared for by their congregations. And so I want to thank you for that. And I, I appreciate it. I know even... At times, I am uh, up here, I'll invite your prayer, and then I get wonderful little notes that says, Brother, I'm praying for you. And I know it's true. And it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but, and our last point is to communicate his word. Jesus said to his disciples to go into all the world and, and make disciples, teaching them all things that I've taught you, that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, uh, uh, and Jesus, uh, Jesus says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be his witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And it is like we are called to communicate his message where we are here and wherever we go. But in verse 17, this is the message. It says, <clears throat> the Spirit, of, um, the spirit and, the, and the bride say, Come and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who desires take the water of life without price. The spirit, the Holy Spirit and the bride, the bride is the church. When the church is filled with the spirit, they invite people to know who Jesus Christ is. They invite them into the family. The spirit and the bride say come to Jesus. We need to tell people, invite them. It says, the one who hears. Again, when you hear the Bible talk about hearing the word, it always implies obeying, to hear and to obey. The one who hears and obeys says, come, come to Jesus, follow him. He's the one who paid for our sins. He's the one who will make all things right. Let the one who is thirsty come. The one who is longing for meaning for purpose, for value to come. I was even thinking about like ad campaigns and stuff like that. They're, like you watch TV and you're going to see all kinds of um, pop commercials and, uh, and, and you know we have all these marketing advertisements for the different beverages to drink. And they make it all look so wonderful and good because uh, we all thirst. But it's something even deeper than that. Like we're not, not just that we're thirsty and have to have water but we, we're longing for something more, and then we long for this image and this likeness, and we want to we want to fit in, and we want to um, uh, we we want these things, and the the things the world has to offer are, are meaningless and empty and temporary. But Jesus reminded us uh, when he was talking to the woman at the well that if you come to him, he'll give us living waters, and we will never thirst again. Those who are thirsty is everybody who's longing in their heart for answers for truth for wholeness, for completeness, for forgiveness. Come to Jesus. He has everything that you need, and he will give us the living waters. Interesting, um, a few chapters later, it, reminds, it tells us that the living waters is the Spirit, the Spirit of God, that when we come to God through Jesus Christ, he gives us his Spirit to empower us, to equip us, and enable us to be obedient, to live persevering faithful lives. That it's not even, when we come to to Jesus, 
it's not even about us, um, our, us being the ones who have the persevering faith. It's inviting him to do the work in us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has prepared in advance for us to walk in. So when we go out to tell people to come, like those are opportunities God prepared for us. And the question is, is are you taking advantage of those opportunities and telling people about Jesus? And the invitation is come to him and take the water of life without price. You don't have to earn your way to God. You don't have to earn God's favor. You just have to recognize you can't do that. And Jesus did it. Because Jesus is the lamb that was slain and he is, will reign forever. And so I would like to just offer that invitation to you right now and think, have you come to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone? You know, in some places, they might do an altar call and say, come up uh, if you want to receive Jesus. But here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit is calling you in your life in the quietness of your seat right where you're sitting, you can just say, yes, I want to come to Jesus. I want to trust Jesus. I want to say that he is the lamb who was slain and he will reign forever beginning in my life today and forever i want the water of life and never thirst again i don't want to look for meaning purpose and value and empty things anymore i want to see the one true god and to follow that is to simply take jesus at his word that he is god he's the son of god born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, went to the cross for our sins, shed his blood, was buried, rose again the third day, conquering sin and death, ascended to the Father, and is coming back one day to set all things right. And when we do that, we will worship him and glorify him together. So if that's something you want to do, do that in your heart and your seat now, and I would invite you, if that is something you do, to come talk to me or one of the staff members, one of the elders, or um, the person sitting next to you at the, in, in church today. We would love to celebrate the fact that you want to be a follower of Christ, a faithful follower of Christ, because blessed are those who are faithful. Blessed are those who remain faithful. And uh, we're going to pray, and in just a moment, we're going to sing, O come all you faithful. Uh, those who are listening to the, the Lamb, those who are following Him, and obeying him and persevering in him have such a joy to come let us adore him Christ the Lord let's pray Father God I come before you thanking you for this wonderful book that is a mystery um, in many ways and intimidating in others uh, but is so full of hope and blessing uh, and Lord as we as we think about what Jesus has done for us and the offer he's put before us, Lord, that, that we would re realize that the decisions we make today are not just about today, but about all of eternity. And that you have made provisions through your son and through your spirit to empower us to live in a right relationship with you. And that we can then one day long for that day where we will be reunited with you. And that we will uh, find our hope and our answers in you. Lord, I pray today if anybody here is working through this and trying to understand this completely, Lord, that you would cause them to have courage to talk to somebody about that, that they could understand what it means to be a Christ follower and that they can find their hope in you alone. Lord, help us to be a worshipful people, not just in service, but this time tomorrow uh, in our daily tasks and what we're doing. Uh, Lord, and help us uh, communicate your word. Give us courage, boldness, and excitement to tell people 
about what you've done in our lives and what you're wanting to do in their lives. For we serve a God who is alive and gives us the living waters. And as we come to you in song, Lord, may we truly understand what it means to adore you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's stand as we